0: welding instructor alex DeClaire knows vr training
1: platforms like forge fx help students master their skills
2: there's a big learning curve with welding
1: virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need learn more at meta.com metaverse impact the final off-season episode of the bears talk underground is brought to you by our friends at my bookie guys it's a new season Antonio Brown is in Oakland. Le'Veon Bell is with the Jets. Odell Beckham Jr. is a Cleveland Brown. But the one thing that hasn't changed, where I'm putting my money down on all the games. My bookie is the place to bet on football every weekend. My bookie has better bonuses, more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it only costs $100 to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me. That's why my bookie is always the right play. You bet, you win, and they pay. MyBookie has live in-game betting for every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Join now and get a 10% deposit bonus. Use promo code BEARS100 to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code BEARS100 when you're creating your account to claim the bonus. My booking, bet, win, get paid. The episode is also brought to you by our friends at SeatGeek. Let SeatGeek take the confusion out of your ticket buying experience. Instead of shopping dozens of sites to find the best deal, let SeatGeek do the work for you. Their app scans the web for the best deals to your favorite game, concert, or show, and rates them on a scale of zero to ten to let you know if you're getting the best bang for your buck. Use promo code ACAA at checkout to receive twenty dollars off your first purchase. So what are you waiting for? That's promo code ACAA for $20 off your first purchase. Seek Geek, life's an event. We have the tickets. My guest today, Brett Coleman from the Film Room on uh, on YouTube. Also, Battle Red—that is the name of the Texans SB Nation page that I can never remember. I even forget it when I'm talking to him a couple of times. Battle Red is the uh, the name of the SB Nation site that Brett Coleman contributes to every now and then for his beloved Houston Texans. But we are—we brought him here to talk about the videos that he's been producing uh, on that YouTube channel, uh, the Film Room. Uh, we're talking about the four that he's done that focus on Bears focus on the Bears so we talk about the Mitch Trubisky episode episode obviously uh the Roquan Smith episode we talk about the Bears uh and how they shut down Jared Goff and the Rams in that big Sunday night win in week 14 of last year and the other one was the um oh the Eddie Jackson episode where he basically made a a, a, made a case for Eddie to be the defensive player of the year in in 2018 so uh Uh, Really fun uh, conversation. We talked to Brett about the process in making those videos, how long it takes and uh, all the work that goes into them. And uh, I can definitely uh, sympathize because as a former broadcasting student, uh, I've had to spend my fair share of time in an editing bay putting videos like that together. And it will startle you to think how long it would take to put together I think the Trubisky episode was 19 minutes, 20 minutes long. How many hours that takes to be able to cut that all together, to write it, record it, make sure it's all synced up and all that kind of stuff. It is a meticulous, tedious job that only a special breed of human being would actually enjoy. I am one of those human beings, even though I haven't, I'm f- way out of practice on that kind of thing. But I loved editing uh, when it was part of my duties as a broadcasting uh, student. But... Talked to, to Brett uh, about Trubisky and Eddie Jackson and the future uh, of the Bears, and I think we even talked a little bit of Texans uh, in there as well. Uh, you have to forgive me; uh, I was the week that we had uh, the, that I had Emory Moorhead on the show. I recorded the Carolina Teague and the Brett Coleman uh, interviews all in the same week, so I'm actually a little rusty right now. Uh, aside from doing the intro to the Carolina Teague episode last week. I haven't touched a microphone pretty much in like the last two weeks since Friday the 26th, which is when I recorded the episode uh, with Brett. So, uh, But I, we did have a great conversation. We had a lot of fun talking about those videos. I hope that you enjoy it. It's the Brett Coleman episode talking about those YouTube videos on the film room. So let's get to it. It's taken us 27 episodes to get to this point, but we have finally, we have finally come to that last rung of the ladder before we get to 2019 season business, and um, I couldn't be more excited. What's going on, everybody? Larity back with off-season episode number 13. You add number 13 to our 14 opponent previews. There's your 27 episodes, and the journey that began in mid-February with the first Emory Moorhead interview finally ends here with our conversation with Brett Coleman from the film room uh, on YouTube. And, um, yeah, from here on out, we the next four episodes are going to be the the reviews of the uh, preseason games. Actually, that fourth one is is most, more likely to be like, oh, yeah, the Bears played the preseason finale on Thursday, here is the fifty-three man roster who were taken to uh, Miami in in February on Papa Bear's birthday to win Super Bowl fifty-four. These are the fifty-three guys that are going to go with us. A uh, kind of thing. That's that's what that episode is mainly uh, going to be. But um, yeah, from now on, it's all about what's taking place on the field going forward from now until God forbid that first Sunday. Uh, in february i mean that's where i envision this season is going to end and not just because like the other 150 million people who'll be watching the game i plan on having an invested emotional interest in the game this year i re- i really do i i don't see uh a reason for us not to outside of catastrophic injuries uh and everything there's no there's no way we're not going to be favored in the majority of the football games that we're playing this year and there's no way that we're not going to win most of the games this year we are just flat out too good we are too good and um but from here on out it's all about 2019 business and what's taking place on the field instead of this six month long journey that started about a week or two after the super bowl that has been all about what could happen what might happen what we hope happens now it'd be what did happen what happened on the field with the Panthers in that first preseason game? Who did we see out there? How does uh, Mitch's Bears t-shirt look on the sideline? Because God knows he's not playing Thursday night uh, or any of That's kind of silly nonsense. But, um, yeah, what are those sideline hats looking like? Which one do you want to get? That's pretty much going to be the tail of tape on Thursday, uh, you know, along with how did some of the guys that actually did play, how did they look? And and I think we're going to be highlighted by guys like uh, David Montgomery. He's playing Thursday night I can't wait to see him in, in live action uh Riley Ridley finally came back to practice after being held out with a hamstring injury for most of uh camp so I think that speaks well to the chance of him playing uh on Thursday against the Panthers a- and all those other guys will we see Mike Davis uh out there uh, you know uh Rashad Coward I'm sure he's going to play a bunch in these games and he's pretty much our swing tackle now how has he progressed from last year to this year and and, and the offseason work that he's put in where the bears were comfortable enough to have bradley soul switch to tight end and basically hand the the swing tackle job to rashad Coward, or will it be one of the other guys uh, that we signed the undrafted free agents from notre dame alex bars or Mustafa mistaf something like that i forget his name i apologize but um you know we got a couple of guys from from notre dame that that harry heaston is obviously very familiar with that um you know, we'll probably see action uh, on, on Thursday. How does Chase Daniel look? How does Tyler Bray look? I think those are the only two quarterbacks besides Trubisky that we have in camp. I didn't hear about a fourth one. So, you know, and the, the kicking battle has been uh, all the rage uh, with the uh, with the Bears. Uh, Family Fest was on Saturday. Uh, Eddie Pinheiro made quite a name for himself. He was perfect on Family Fest night. I think Elliot Fry only missed one kick. So there was like the first time in camp. Where they were both kicking together. So they were really just kind of dueling back and forth. And I think that Eddie hit the sixty yarder and Fry missed it or something like that. There was a kick that uh, that Eddie made that Elliot missed. Eddie was perfect at uh, at Family Fest. So maybe that gave him kind of a a slight edge. However, Monday when they came back to practice this morning, I think they will I think Elliot Fry won the day. They were both kicking today, so they didn't go back to the whole alternating days. They were kicking against one another, and I think Eddie Pinheiro missed enough kicks to where he and Elliott Fry for the preseason have both have seven misses. I'm I'm not sure where the percentages lie or what the numbers look like. I just know that they're they've both missed seven kicks now uh, through uh, training camp. But considering that these guys are kicking as much as they are, or it's being documented as much as it is seven kicks over the last two weeks of camp that's not bad that's not bad so um the other thing i wanted to talk about real quick before we get to uh brett coleman and uh and uh, the the fun conversation we had about those videos is um well two things number one people that are being that are somehow negative about what this season may hold uh for the bears number one I don't understand that, okay? It's like I get it, but I don't understand it. And, and here's what I mean by that. It's like I get that it's hard to think that after all these years and and having, you know, for every 2010 where we win a division and make a playoff run, we have had eight 2011s, 12s, 13s. We've had three coaching changes since our last playoff run in 2010. Uh, And all of that stuff. And every successful season that we've had is usually backed up by an unsuccessful one. As a matter of fact, a few unsuccessful unsuccessful ones. Here's the thing about that, though. It's uh, and I know I talk I, I know I like to compare it to the Cubs, but it very much is the same thing. With the Bears than it has been with the Cubs in the past when the Cubs would make the playoffs when they would go on a deep run we as Cub fans would panic about the prospect of them actually losing and not winning the World Series because the likelihood of that team being successful again next year and getting themselves back in that same spot was slim to none that was just the history of Uh, of it all because you'd come back the following season with the same guys the same pitching staff the same coaches and instead of being 90 and 60 they'd come back and be 60 and 90 uh, the following year Same thing would happen with the Bears. In 2010, we had Briggs and Erlacher and Matt Forte and Cutler and, you know, a decent offensive line and and all the rest of that stuff. And then we come back in 2011, and we go on a run. We get hit with injuries. We lose Cutler for the last quarter of the season, and the season starts to fall apart even though we've got the same talent. Same thing with 2012 and so on and so forth. It just – I understand the trauma that we've been through over the years. However, like the Cubs now, we have a solid base, a foundation of players that A, isn't going anywhere for a while, and B, is good all the time as opposed to just being good, being able to put together one decent season. This is not, you know, for lack of a better term, this is not your grandfather's bears, okay? Ryan Pace has constructed a hell of a roster, one of the deepest – in the NFL right now one of the most talented people are afraid of the Bears and the only thing that's going to stop the Bears this year just like Carolina Teague and I talked about is injuries that's really the only thing that's going to hurt this team Matt Nagy's on top of his thing Pagano is you know is is slips right into the to the role that Vic Fangio uh, left behind the defense have been beasts in practice uh in, in in training camp so far uh this year which leads me into my second point that i'll get to in a second but you know it's year two for mitch in the system uh like chase daniel said uh last week he's not learning the offense this year he's running the offense and you know he's not learning the terminology he already knows it he's language is second nature and, and he knows what to look for where to find it so on and so forth which it means that he'll probably be much better with his decision making. Uh, and stuff like that so the the negativity around the season or the people being pessimistic about it we've been burned before i get it we've been through all of those years the post 2010 years that we had to suffer through to get through this point we had to deal with the injuries and such that cost us big years in 2011 and 2012 and cost lovey his job we had to suffer through picking Tressman over Bruce Arians we had to suffer through the years of John Fox and 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 Ryan Pace starting to build the roster but look at that roster that Ryan Pace has done he's drafted really really well has he hit on every draft pick no he's hit on most of them and look at the way that those guys are contributing Eddie Goldman uh Cody Whitehair Tariq Cohen Eddie Jackson uh, you know, uh, Leonard Floyd, uh, Roquan Smith, uh, Bilal Nichols, I and mean, it goes on and on and on uh, like that. He's hit way more than he's missed, and that is something – that's why Jerry Angelo's not the GM anymore. The guy couldn't draft anyone to save his life. He knew how to write a check, but he couldn't develop his own talent, and that's why we kept falling behind, and that's why we could only put together one good year and then we're suffering through the rest kind of thing. Ryan Pace has set us up for success long term. Just like the Cubs, you know, built their team and they've got the Rizzo and Bryant and Baez and all those guys, we have our Rizzo Bryant. And, you know, we, we have Trubisky. We have, um, we have Roquan Smith. We have Eddie Goldman, uh, Akeem Hicks. We have uh, Khalil Mack now. That's the, that would be our John Lester, I guess, the guy that we came in to throw some heat in, and, and get in there and, and do big things. He's put the team together. We're set up. We're set, guys. We are set. Okay. And that leads me into my other point, is the people harping on Trubisky, thinking that he's a lousy quarterback because he's throwing some interceptions in training camp. I touched on this last week before the Carolina Teague episode. Guys, he's going against the best defense the NFL has to offer right now he's trying to throw deep balls against Eddie Jackson and Kyle Fuller and Prince of uh, and, and everything like that while he has Akeem Hicks and uh, Bilal Nichols and Khalil Mack and Eddie Goldman breathing down his neck in the pocket trust me this is all good this is all good because the games are going to be so much easier for Mitch than practice has been because he won't have the best defense in football getting in his face or blitzing and, and all that stuff in in the actual games. I promise you, he is benefiting from this. He is getting better every day because of everything that our defense isn't allowing him to do. If he has to figure out how to beat our defense each and every week, how do you think he's gonna look against a team that's not even nearly as talented as our defense is? Our defense is championship ready today. They are ready to play now, which is why I don't expect to see any of them until September the 5th as far as the preseason uh, goes. But our defense is ready now, and they're out there beating up on the offense, and the offense is winning a lot. They are winning. They are winning. Marvin Hall's making a name for himself. I hear Javon Wims is, is having a hell of a training camp. We'll see what Riley Ridley can do now that he's finally healthy and, and on the practice field. I think the only real disappointment so far in training camp has been Adam Shaheen. He's been in and out of practice with a sore lower back, and I was reading today on Twitter how basically uh, he was like, uh, "What was his name?" On uh, necessary roughness, Featherstone, the guy who couldn't uh, catch a cold in Siberia butt naked. That uh, you know, that's how Adam Adam Shaheen's not having a good camp overall, and this is a crucial one for him. It really is. So. Uh, This is a year that we're expecting him to step up, and instead he's kind of given the spotlight and the reps to an undrafted rookie free agent, not Dax Raymond, but Ian Bunting, who's actually been getting reps with the ones in practice. That's a big deal. Trey Burton also kind of being, he's being babied with that uh, sports hernia injury and things like that. Uh, The Bears, I think, just want to have him ready week one for Green Bay um he's like he had a day off friday he didn't participate in family fest and he was held out uh again today i think the bears are just being super cautious uh with that sports hernia uh injury not trying to do anything that's going to aggravate it to make sure that he's 100 percent for um week one uh against green bay so maybe he's going to be the aaron lynch of uh of 2019 whereas uh they got adam shaheen out there practicing now because he needs all the reps he can get that's for sure so hopefully we'll see uh, um, see him out there uh, on Thursday night and uh, improving and, and getting down to it. So, but anyway, let's enjoy this, guys. Enjoy this for what it is. We've we haven't been in this position. I mean, we weren't even in this position in 2010. I don't think anybody was expecting the season that we got in 2010. We were hoping that we were going to get a repeat of that in 2011 until the wheels came off in the last six or eight weeks of that. Uh, in the last, what, six weeks? Yeah. Six, we were seven and three with that win over San Diego when Cutler broke his thumb. The last six weeks, we went one and five and we're out of the playoffs. We finished eight and eight and and everything else. And it, it's, we've been through a lot. And Ryan Pace, we had to suffer through John Fox and Dole Loggins in 2015, 16, and 17. And then we righted the ship. We got rid of John Fox. We bring in. Matt Nagy, we bring in all those free agents uh, on the offensive side of the football and look at us now. Look at us now. We have a team that has been constructed uh, meticulously by our general manager. These are all guys that are happy to be in Chicago, happy to be playing with each other. The camaraderie that has, you know, that, that little extra thing that was missing from all those teams that we had high hopes about over the years is here and this team is as hungry as ever the 100% participation in the off-season program that you don't see with uh, with every team uh, you, you just don't see that only the lead the 100% participation in the off-season workouts a lot of guys revel in the opportunity not to go uh, to those workouts they only show up when they have to uh, kind of thing all of our guys didn't have to be there and they were from khalil Mack all the way down to our long snapper patrick scales everybody showed up to the workouts to the training to otas to mini camps they were all there for everything and this team is ready to go if you thought they were hungry last year wait till you see what their appetite is like now i can't wait to see it hit the field and i want the rest of you to be as optimistic as i am and, yeah, we're setting ourselves up for a big fall if the Bears don't succeed this year, but so what? What happens if we're actually right this time? You know, I'm a fairly pessimistic guy. I can, definitely can be. At times, you guys have listened to me suffer through those years in 2016 and 2017. Uh, we won eight games out of 24, and John Fox and Dole Loggins maybe want to put a gun in my mouth. But here we are. Though good fortune has turned our way, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace have put together a culture that everybody wants to be a part of. You know, Ha Clinton Dix being a big, uh, you know, aspect of that as far as um, well, not a big aspect, but a big, uh, big proof of that. He took less money to come to Chicago in a one year prove it deal to see that, uh, you know, to be a part of Chicago, to be a part of this culture, to play with Eddie Jackson and Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman. And, and he wanted to be a part of that. And that's why he's in Chicago. Chicago, in short order, has gone from being that place that you go to when nobody else will hire you to being a destination where everybody's pushing each other out of the way to get to it. You wait. We're going to have our salary cap issues and things like that. I guarantee if this season goes the way that we think, we're going to be the NFC's Patriots where guys are taking pay cuts to play with us because it gives them the best shot to walk out Uh, with a chance to kiss the Lombardi trophy so if um, if all goes the way that we all think it will the way that we all hope it will things are definitely going to change no salary cap issues aren't going to be as big as we think they will be so anyway let me hop down off my soapbox I've rambled on long enough let's bring in our guest uh, Brett Coleman from the film room on YouTube let's talk about those videos I hope you guys did your homework because we're going to talk about those videos Red Coleman in the film room from YouTube let's get to it. Last stop of the preseason before we start talking about actual football games. The Bears and the the Panthers are just a few days. Uh, away from us here but before we uh, step into actual games and things like that one one last interview one last special guest to to talk about uh something we we've got brett coleman uh from the the film it's the film room youtube channel uh formerly or actually he still works with them what's it called again jesus i've already forgotten we just talked (laughs) about this what's it called again the battle red blog battle red (laughs) blog for sp nation what is it about the name of that site I just cannot like literally seconds ago we were talking about this but anyway brett coleman welcome back to the show and welcome to the worst intro i've ever done for a guest
2: uh you know to be fair literally nobody outside of houston pays attention to the texans anyway so i totally don't expect anybody (laughs) to know that site
1: well the reason that we're having you on uh uh, brett is like a you know we, we talked about it briefly before like I, I would like to have you back on next year when we play the Texans um, uh, for the, I think only like the fifth or sixth time in the history of the franchise, the franchise being the Texans. You guys are currently undefeated uh, against us. Somehow that's actually true. I looked it up. It's like, we have never beaten the Texans. Have really? Not once. You, uh, you're, you're Obviously your inaugural season was 2002. So our, our first game against each other was in 2004. 2004. The final score, I was like, I remember it being something random. It was fourteen to five. You guys beat us in Chicago in like mid December or something like that. A game you guys had no business winning on the road. You know, late December in Chicago, you guys won. You beat us week seventeen of two thousand and eight when we had a playoff berth on the line. Andre Johnson annihilated our offense or, excuse me, our defense uh, that year. Uh 2012 it was a huge game Sunday night football. I think like we were 7 and 1, you were 6 and 2 or something close to that. You had the number 1 defense, we had a top 5. I think the final score was like 10 to 6 or something in that one. And then 2016, week 1, Brock Osweiler who's got a Oof. Who's got a a, a, a two and and0 record against the Bears that I'm aware three and o, we, uh, actually we, three and record against We don't speak that
2: name in Houston or Chicago because <laughs> he gives both of us bad memories.
1: It does. It does. I mean, Osweiler was on the Broncos when when Peyton was laid up when the when the Broncos beat us in 2015, Week One 2016 he beats us and then last year Week Seven uh, we were coming off the bye playing the Dolphins and Tannehill was wiped off the roster at the last second osweiler comes in throws for 380 and two touchdowns or something like that against us and the, the dolphins beat us so we're 0 and three against brock osweiler to, so. to be fair to yeah. be
2: fair brock didn't throw for 280 albert True. wilson ran for 250 that's correct <laughs> yes thank you very much sir for, for pointing that out and albert wilson did the yeah. rest.
1: <laughs> if not for a few missed tackles that game doesn't turn out the way that it does but uh but uh, nonetheless there it is. There's the tail of the tape. Four and zero, five and zero, whatever it was. The Texans are undefeated, so that undefeated streak will be on the line next year in Soldier Field when the Bears and the Texans play. But what's got you on the show, uh, Brett, or why I asked you to come back is that since we last spoke before, prior to Week One of 2016, uh, you've you've made quite a name for yourself on on YouTube with with the videos that you've been doing, the film room, and you know you do these this this really like one of my favorite shows. Uh, when I was in high school and, and uh, in college and stuff, was like the the it was on ESPN. It was like Sal Palantonio and Ron Jaworski would do these uh, these film breakdowns of why these plays worked, why this one failed, profiling certain players. And that's essentially what you're doing with your YouTube channel, correct?
2: Yeah, yeah. I I, I would say that I was pretty heavily inspired by NFL Matchup. That was one of my that's favorite it, yeah. shows. Yeah, NFL. Yeah, Matchup, Yeah. I really wish that they put that at a different time slot than three in the morning. Cause oh, that right. been- Yeah. It was always on like
1: 1am <laughs> right. or something was like the early slot for that show.
2: Yeah. No, but I, I, I love that show. I was heavily inspired by it. And that was the show that kind of, you know, made me realize that, that football fans love learning more than mm-hmm. anything. They love learning about their favorite sport. And um, if you teach them something and kind of package it in an entertaining way; they'll watch. And uh, so far, everybody's really like watching.
1: Yeah, I mean, the 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 really amazing part is like you know what you do, and what I loved about the the matchup show was that basically they they show you they they, they make it all look like they make it all make sense to you, like how it is it, it all came together. That it's not all luck. That these guys are actually putting a lot of time and and effort into the into the into the cerebral part of the game where you have to use your brain. Like this is what the huddle is for to come up with these formulas and trying to get this guy into a zone. And yeah, we put these receivers, we ran them here. Maybe they're getting here, but actually we're just clearing this area. So this receiver is open in this spot kind of thing.
2: Yeah, it's – football, I, I feel like, even though it's the most popular sport in the country, it's also the most misunderstood sport in the country.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's a very,
2: very complicated game. So, you know, anything that either I can do or anybody else in the kind of film breakdown community can do to, to help people kind of understand the sport as they walk uh, in real time on Sundays, uh, I just really enjoy doing that.
1: So in the last year or so, a little, little longer – Uh, than a year your channel has featured four uh videos on the bears two of which i was well actually three of which i was over the moon about just because i loved them so much the fourth one wasn't bears related at the time but kind of gets folded in we'll talk about that one first right before uh the nfl draft last year you did a, a video profiling Uh, Georgia linebacker Roquan Smith and I remember in the intro you were talking about how this guy is most likely to fall in the draft because he's in like the worst possible draft for him in the the one with where six quarterbacks are going to go in the first round and any normal draft he probably goes top five or something like that but here's why he should still be a top five uh, prospect in this draft
2: yeah I you know on, on Roquan specifically Um, because that was kind of like the first Bears video I did in the last year and a half. Yeah. Uh, A lot of that video, I feel like people kind of misunderstood it because I did bag on him a little bit Yeah, uh, in terms of not being able to take on blocks. Mm -hmm. But I was trying to package it in a way of, you know, just because he has this weakness, and it is a weakness, it still kind of showed up in his rookie year too, doesn't mean he can't be a great player. Right. Uh, It doesn't mean that there's not a perfect system fit out there. You know, there's a lot of linebackers that have pretty clear weaknesses. Like Luke Keekley, he's not the fastest guy in the world. He's got some speed, but he's not, you know, as fast as, say, Jalen Smith or even Bobby Wagner, but he's really damn smart, and mm-hmm. he, he makes up for his weakness with his strength. And I think Roquan, the point I was trying to make with that video is he has very clear strengths uh, in terms of explosiveness, long speed, instincts. He's just not very big. And yeah. as long as he was on a team that let him use his strengths – he would be a fantastic Pro Bowl, potentially all-pro caliber player. Luckily, he winded up on a team that would let him use his strengths, and we saw a lot of that last year in terms of Akeem Hicks and Goldman kind of freeing him up and just letting him be that fast, aggressive linebacker on the second level, and he was phenomenal. Yeah. So, you know, some people kind of gave me crap for that, being like, oh, he played better than your evaluation. No, he played exactly like my evaluation. <laughs> he just ended up in the perfect spot.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean I was um th- when when it came down to like draft prospects and uh and everything like that there were two guys at the top of the list. The first one was Quentin Nelson because he's a beast and we could use uh, a left guard uh at the time and uh, or it was Roquan Roquan Smith to kind of be that other guy, the complement to to Danny Trevathan uh in our in our inside linebacking uh core and unfortunately Quentin went early to the or earlier to the Colts at number six. So, you know, it's not a bad consolation prize that we had to settle for Roquan Smith.
2: I mean, if you're getting a Pro Bowl caliber player either way, I'd say you guys made out all right.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and there's a lot of, you know, thought, speculation or such that uh, year one to year two for him, he's going to go from being that fringe, almost Pro Bowl player to possibly being all pro level in year number two.
2: Yeah, and and also also kinda of touch on Quentin a little bit. Part of the reason why it was okay that they missed out on Quentin was they got James Daniels in the second round.
0: Yeah. And and I had, yeah. I
2: had I had Daniels graded as a first round prospect and absolutely a top tier interior line prospect. He slid a little bit because for some reason some teams had like concerns about his personality. Not that there was like a negative thing, they just thought he was kind of a weird dude. I personally, from people that I know that knew him, they all thought he was great, so I don't really know where that came from. But there were some teams that, you know, talent-wise, they would have taken him, but they just had questions about kind of his personality. So it was totally lucky for the Bears and Harry Heastan to get him in the second round, which definitely took the sting out of Quentin not being there. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, with Roquan, absolutely he can be an all-pro caliber player. I expect him to lead the Bears in tackles this year. And that front you know, that, that front three, front four, they kind of play a hybrid defense, so don't really know what to call it. But right. those four to five guys that are always going to be in front of him take up all the attention. So he, he, very rarely is he going to have to be taken on blocks anyway. So uh, I, I would expect him to get over 100 tackles this year and, and make a ton of plays.
1: Well, I mean, the other thing that, um, that we can factor into it was last year he did not have a training camp, or for the most part did not have training camp practices because he was one of those holdouts that was uh, you know even though like I don't think it was a money issue it was a contract language issue because of that new lowering helmet uh, rule that was instituted last year he didn't join the team until the second or third preseason game and he didn't play a snap the entire uh, preseason so this year he's under contract he's fully in OTA he's got all of training camp and the preseason uh, to get ready, even though Nagy probably won't play the starters very much. He'll have all that practice time he didn't have last year, which is paramount because it's his second year in the NFL, and he's got a new system for the second year in a row to learn.
2: Yeah, it is a new system, but luckily it's not that new. I right. mean, in terms of, like, some of the terminology is going to be different. You know, Fangio he kind of tailors his defense to his personnel every single year. I kind of expect Pagano to do the same kind of thing. Again, it might just be kind of having to relearn terminology, but I don't think he's really going to be having a different role per se Um, in terms of, you know, I'm a take-on linebacker, I'm a clean-up linebacker, we're playing, you know, 4-2 over, we're playing 3-3 even, we're playing 2-4, you know, whatever, it's, it's going to be the same general concept. It might just be different words. So I'm not super worried about him having to learn a new defense. The only thing with this defense that I'm intrigued by is just seeing if that kind of Pagano heavy blitz mentality shows up, or if he kind of takes a cue from Vic Fangio and just kind of lets the front four do their thing, because Vic didn't blitz a whole lot. Right. He didn't really have to. No. Whereas Pagano, at least you know, in his Baltimore days, it was just we're throwing bodies all the time, <laughs> uh, which maybe could be good. Could, could be good for Roquan because he's a great blitzer, got excellent explosiveness, really instinctive. But um, that's the main thing I'm going to be paying attention to is not necessarily a change in responsibility, but just a change in philosophy.
1: Right. Yeah, I'm. I'm very interested to see how different the defense will be. Uh, under pagano it's like his mo is that the bears would be more aggressive maybe blitz uh, a bit more but like you said you know I, I think you know and correct me if i'm wrong didn't fangio blitz a bit more with san francisco than he did when he was in chicago
2: he did until i think he kind of figured out that all he had to really do to get pressure was put justin smith and alden smith right next to each other and run you know te games with them and yeah. that was really all he had to do uh, you know, he he blitzed Bowman and uh, and Willis when he had them, but um, I think once he figured out what he had in Alden Smith, he kind of he, he eased off a little bit.
1: Sure, sure. Because I just seem to remember, like any I wa like how super aggressive the Forty ers were, and you know, maybe my thinking was backwards, but I thought the Bears would do that more early on while they were still building the defense to try to make up for the talent they didn't have when Fangio came- first came into for them to try to make their mark that way but uh you know instead he he barely ever blitzed and then didn't really need to like you said by the time he came to his end in Chicago he had Khalil Mack on one side he had Roquan in the middle he's got Hicks and Goldman uh, up front and he's got uh, Amukamara and Fuller down the side and and our guy Eddie Jackson down the middle so it's like where's this defense weak I don't need to compensate by blitzing too much
2: not to mention, part of the reason, especially in 2018, why he really rarely blitzed was they played a lot of cover four.
0: Mm. If
2: you were going to say they were they had a base coverage, I would say that it was cover four. They played that more than anything. Okay. And with cover four, even when you're in those kind of match zones, that means you only got three guys underneath. So if you're blitzing people, you're already – you're kind of already undermanned underneath, and you're blitzing people. That, and that means you're going to have – maybe two guys or if you're sending six you're going to have one guy underneath covering the entire width of the field like that's (laughs) that's a tough ask even for a guy like Juan so I think the fact that they played cover four um, they kind of let their safeties play out on islands deep down the field with that scheme and they let the linebackers really cover a lot of ground underneath so that their safeties could do that Um, it's it's tough to blitz when you run that coverage so that probably contributed it too.
1: Have you always had an, an eye for the, for the game, or was this something that you've learned over time? I mean, obviously, you didn't come out of the womb knowing what four cover, uh, four, you know, cover four was and, and things like that, but some people take this stuff like a fish to water, while other people that, that learn it have to be beaten over the head with it kind of thing.
2: Yeah, I, I've always thought of watching tape as a muscle the more you do it, the better you get at it. Sure. You know, uh, the more you do it, the the quicker you recognize different patterns. Um, maybe you come up with a new way to take notes or to chart plays, or maybe if you see something because you watch a lot of tape from another team, you can go back and reference that and kind of see the differences and how these, theme, these teams execute. So really uh, the fastest way to learn is to just keep watching and eventually mm-hmm. I can't promise how long it'll take, but eventually you'll <laughs> see something that's interesting.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. No, I, I definitely, I definitely get that. Now, um, the next video, if I'm trying to go chronologically here, did did Eddie Jackson come first, or did the Jared Goff being annihilated by the Bears uh, come first?
2: You know, that's a good question. Um, because the Eddie Jackson see, one I, I was I basically it.
1: was basically your campaign for Eddie to be defensive. Player of the Year, but the Bears and the Rams played Week fourteen. So were they close together, or because I know it had to be late year uh, that those came out? I
2: did them both within like three weeks of each other. I think Eddie one right before the loss to the Giants. That was like the week before the loss of the Giants. Oh, so that's definitely before uh, the
1: Rams game then.
2: Yeah, yeah, Um, because kind of there's a, a running gag in the community. People call it the Coleman Curse and. You know, I thought I would take a safe week to do one on the Bears, thinking they're playing the Giants, so I right. couldn't possibly curse them. But you know, next thing you know, <laughs> Saquon Barkley happened.
1: Well, trust me, I know. I mean, well, not only did Saquon Barkley uh, play well against us, but the Giants also got every single break you possibly could uh, in that game. They got they got to the play against Chase Daniel, who is a good quarterback, but not as good as as Trubisky who th- also went ahead and threw two of the freakiest interceptions I've ever seen. You got a touchdown pass from Odell Beckham or somebody – yeah, Odell throwing it to another receiver on a, on a gadget play and then uh, on the two-point play at some point during the game. Fangio sends the house. They sell out. They absolutely murder Eli, who just barely gets it off to a wide-open OBJ in the, in the back. And it was like every break that they could get, they got to win that game. So it's like they – I really couldn't say that they beat the Bears straight up, but the the result doesn't lie they 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 won the game
2: and you know that was the interesting part of the bears season last year to me that was a I think it was a twelve and fourteen, yeah you know one of the best in the league, yeah arguably the most dangerous in the nFC regardless of what happened in the playoff game right cause that was an outlier um, but every single game they lost in the regular season was almost inexplicable. Like, you know, they, they, they lose to an injured Aaron Rodgers who is high out of his mind in the second half. Yep. They lose to Brock Osweiler in Miami. They lose to the Giants who were terrible. Like, mm-hmm. this was the best team ever <laughs> losing to really bad teams, and I still don't understand
1: it. Yeah, you're not alone on, on that one, dude. Not at all. I mean, we, we – I mean, and even though it's legitimate to think that, you know, the Bears lost to the Patriots, but even in that game – it was two special teams touchdowns that, that sunk the Bears uh, in that game. You had the blocked punt that was returned for a touchdown, and then right after we take like a 17-10 to 10 lead or something like that, Cordero Patterson zips 95 yards down the center of the field uh, for a touchdown that completely flipped the game uh, on its ear. If you remove those, the Bears win the game easily, uh, actually. So, I mean, yeah. we still almost tied the game on the last play of the game.
2: And, and, and they made it even harder on themselves against New England because I, I think that was the game where they ran the ball like 13 times, threw it 44 times, even though Dalvin averaged like nine yards a carry. And <laughs> like their their uh, yards per carry as a team was like three three yards higher than their yards per completion, which is totally ass-backward. Like that was the weirdest game. Yeah. But that was just how the Bears roll last year, you know. They're going to lose weird ones and they're going to win hard ones.
1: Well, that that game actually frustrated the holy hell out of me uh, because the the all week long and, and even when I talked to uh, my Patriots guy, he was scared to death about this matchup that was uh, that was coming up because their right tackle was like a rookie, uh, undrafted free agent or something because the starter was going to be out with a knee injury or something like that, and that is the side that Fangio had usually lined up, Khalil Mack. So you've got the All Pro assassin, this savage over the right tackle going up against this rookie who's still wet behind the ears but instead Fangio kept him on the left side against the the all-Pro Trent Brown for some' it's like it was a, a matchup that we never took advantage of for some reason if like if you looked at that game can you explain to me why Fangio would have done that he, he was going strength against strength instead of strength against weakness
2: I think he was trying <clears throat> trying to get Brady on the blind side with Mac because Mac is a pension for forcing fumbles. Sure. And if you line up, you know, in Brady's vision, he's going to get the ball out anyway. Um, not to mention, most of the time when they run on play action, they're a very play action heavy team. They hand it off to Brady's right, so he doesn't have to do a full pivot. Helps him get the ball out quicker. My gut feeling is they lined him up over there to try to catch him on play action. Mm-hmm. Um, it just never happened, you know. Right. I, from what we know now, I think you you put those two teams fully healthy on the field together bears yes. probably win seven out of ten yeah. well that, <laughs> that was, was the other just, thing that was
1: uh, that was maddening about the games that we did lose last year was like you know if if you run it back in in those games the bears probably win the rematch and in in green Bay's case we did we should have won week one if Kyle Fuller doesn't drop that interception in the fourth quarter we win the game um yeah if, if Parkey doesn't miss that field goal in overtime we beat the Dolphins. If we don't allow those stupid touchdowns, the special teams, we beat the Patriots. And then the Giants game, I already detailed the, the bounces that they got to, to go in their favor. If we run it back against the Giants, there's no way we don't win that game the second time around. So that was the thing that was kind of crazy about those losses is that it was that one loss that had us playing. It was one loss that had us playing. Uh, in the wild card round instead of the divisional round, and there was a reasonable way for us to have won any one of those four games that we did lose that could have made all the difference in the world for us.
2: And if anything, that should probably just be encouraging to Bears fans for this season Absolutely. because they know that there was a plausible path to sixteen and zero last year. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely right. So so let's talk about the 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 um, let's talk about the golf video because what was what was so great about the the bears winning that game first of all was that nobody really thought they could do it they thought they had a shot maybe but we're playing against the team that was only two weeks removed from putting up 54 points uh against the other supposedly best team in the nfl the kansas city chiefs in that legendary monday night game uh, a few weeks before and the end result of their 60 minute effort against the bears was six points and Uh, It also kind of became the blueprint of their demise in the Super Bowl because I even saw a video of Sean McVay on NFL Films where he was recalling to his staff, like he's talking to his staff in his headset, that was the Bears front, wasn't it? That was the defensive front the Bears used, and that's what Belichick used to shut down McVay and the Rams in the Super Bowl last year.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's something to be – and funnily enough, Akeem Hicks was a Patriot for a long time. True. made made a lot of playoff runs with them, but um, there's something to be said for seeing something on tape that's very effective and then using your own personnel to copy it. Mm -hmm. And the bears, they came out and they played a lot of base defense against the Rams, which they had not done that against, you know, primarily 11 personnel teams up until that point in the season, because they saw other teams rolling out either like three safety nickel or like a three three five or something like that. You know, just putting big bodies on the line of scrimmage and then having an extra defensive back in there uh, and kind of sacrificing a linebacker. They saw other teams doing that in order to shut down Gurley because they recognized that if they could shut down Gurley, golf was a lot easier to handle. Right. And so to their credit, you know, Fangio kind of switched up. They still ran a lot of cover four, but they kinda of switched up their fronts and played a lot of base to 11 personnel, which is not something you see a whole lot. And it worked beautifully. I mean, they absolutely just disgraced that Sean McVay offense because they recognized that if you put a whole bunch of big beef on the line of scrimmage and take away Todd Gurley, they don't have a whole lot else.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think their their lowest output going into the Bears game was still something in the upper 20s. This was an offense that was averaging like 30-plus points a game before they came into – soldier field and walked out with six and in a lot of ways you would think they were lucky to get that much
2: yeah because i mean you know just straight up you put the rams receivers against the bears defensive backs i would take the bears defensive backs all day right you know kyle fuller i think can handle cooks eddie jackson's obviously a better safety or a better overall dbs and any receiving threat on the rams i would i would even man him up against cooks or cup or woods and i think he'd be fine especially because he played a lot of corner in college he's got a corner background but he's just that kind of special dude prince of Mukamara is one of the better number two corners in the league and i think they still had bryce callahan on the field in that game who's arguably the best slot in the league so in a straight up fight between dbs and receivers i had no worries with chicago in that game really the only thing that could have hurt them would be if they got the outside zone run going with Gurley. so I think once they shut that down, there was really nothing that Sean McVay could do because Jared Goff really relies on play action uh, in terms of really pushing the ball down the field. He's not a guy who's, you know, just sitting in the gun and and can sit there for three seconds and then unload it just on like a normal West Coast progression. He really relies on bootlegs and play action. And when that wasn't there, they didn't have anything else.
1: I mean, and we even saw that uh, effect in the – in the drive where the the Bears got the safety, was like they tried to get Gurley going to the outside, and that was the play that set up the next play, which was the safety. They tried to get him to the outside. It didn't happen. It ended up being like a three, to, three or four-yard uh, loss, and then the next snap from the three-yard line, Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman just caved in the offensive line and sacked Goff in the end zone for the safety.
2: Akeem Hicks was the best player on the field that night. Yeah. I, I said it then, and I'll say it again. Like, in a game where you had a whole lot of All Pros on both teams, Akeem Hicks was the best player on the field. He kicked ass every single snap, and you know Chicago would have had a lot harder time winning that game without him.
1: Yeah, can you can you give me an, a window into what the Bears were doing offensively that shut Aaron Donald down? Because he was a virtual non-factor in that game.
2: Lots and lots and lots of double teams. I mean, whatever direction he was on, they slid protection. Didn't matter if they were overloading the other side. They were they would rather keep an extra body in the block on an overload than have to slide into that overload because no matter what, that center was sliding to Aaron Donald, and it worked for the most part.
1: Yeah, because uh, Aaron Donald is Aaron Donald, and he's going to make his plays. But as as far as, like, like you said, um, Akeem Hicks taking over, the game he was in on the safety he had a sack of his own uh, later on he was everywhere that he needed to be in that game and, and the bears kind of took aaron donald out of it i think it, like uh, i think i talked to a, the rams guy the other day and he said that uh, aaron donald didn't get a sack until like week 4 uh, of the season and ended up with 20 and a half as an interior lineman which is bananas but i think that was one of the few games after week 4 where he got shut out as far as sacks go
2: it might've been the only one, to be honest. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, uh, and not that he didn't have an impact. Cause obviously if you're drawing a double team all game and opening everything up for everybody else, that's making an impact.
1: But right.
2: the problem is the Rams defensive line is basically Aaron Donald and a bunch of other dudes, uh, <laughs> even the and Sue. And you know, at his age, he's not the same guy. So right. compare that to the bears front where it's like, Oh, okay. You double Khalil Mack. We still got Hicks. We still got Floyd. We still got Eddie. Um, yeah. But you double the Rams and or double Donald with the Rams and, they don't really have anybody else that can hurt
1: you. Right. So then let's talk about Eddie Jackson because your video about him was basically a love letter uh, to Eddie Jackson as far as I'm concerned. I, was it 16 minutes long or something uh, like that? And basically just detailing how it was that he's probably the best player on any field that he's been on so far in 2018.
2: I mean, I, I still think he was one of the three best players defensively in football last year mm-hmm. um if you would have cast a defensive player of the year ballot for him i would not have blamed you at all right uh, he he was that special for them they would not have been able to run that defense that style of defense you know predominantly in cover four without eddie jackson like 100 percent, no way because if you're running that style you need to have a free safety that you can leave on an island deep down the field against slot receivers against tight ends against you know, running backs that you flex out into the slot. Like he has to cover every and all type of receiver down the field, one-on-one with no help. And there's maybe three other safeties in the league that I think can do that. So, uh, and he's the best out of all of them. So, you know, I I think he's going to be somebody that we look at with the same legacy of like an Earl Thomas with a, a Troy Polamalu and Ed Reed, um, you know, maybe his career won't be as long because he was a little bit older when he got into the league. But in terms of his his peak, I think his peak is going to be able to match any one of those guys. Like he's that dude's going to be in the Ring of Honor one day.
1: Yeah, that's that's an awesome thought to have because the Bears have been for so many years have been trying to solve the mystery of replacing Mike Brown uh, in the secondary. Yeah, I mean, hell, even when Mike Brown was on the team, the last several years of his career absolutely plagued. Uh, by injury so we never got the best Mike Brown after those injuries uh, got started but to try to find a guy that's a pillar in the center of that defense uh, back there a leader in the secondary uh, is is something that has been missing for almost a decade or actually for exactly a decade Mike Brown's last season in Chicago was 2008 we didn't draft Eddie until 2017 so it was a revolving door of guys back there that um, you know were here today gone tomorrow Uh, kind of thing and that was the thing about eddie jackson going into year number two last year was would he be eddie jackson or would he be the next al afalava who was a starter as a sixth round pick his rookie season and then on the unemployment line the year after that
2: you know it's it's funny people thought i was absolutely insane um Because going back to my my 2017 mock draft special, I put out a mock draft every single year on the YouTube channel. Right. And at 12th overall to the Cleveland Browns, I put Eddie Jackson. People thought I was freaking nuts. This was an Alabama safety who played behind a whole bunch of future pros. Um, They said he benefited from a lot of bad quarterback play in the SEC. They said he's coming off a broken leg. There's no way he's worthy of a first-round pick. I wanted that dude so bad in Houston. I, I mm-hmm. We were already strong at safety, and I wanted him so bad. And to see him slip all the way to the fourth round yeah. just disgusted me because I knew he didn't belong there. Two yeah. years later, the kid's an all-pro. Yeah. Like, th- there, there was zero reason for him to fall that far, but Chicago was very lucky that he did.
1: We absolutely are. I mean, and that was the thing about that 2017 draft was I was – I was kind of disgusted with it because I was I was wanting I was tired of watching the Bears be the Bears that they had been for the last seven or eight years after you know the the, the tail end of the Lovey era and Tressman and then uh, you know John I wanted to see them win and the draft that they had in 2017 didn't say win today it said win tomorrow this was the see you next year draft in my opinion drafting Trubisky after we signed Mike Glennon uh, drafting a, a, a division two tight end. In the second round, a small college player in Tariq Cohen, a, you know, a guy that's got an injury history in Eddie Jackson. And then the the guy from, I think, Mor- Morgan, something. it was an offensive lineman from from another like one double A school. It's like this is our draft class. It's like none of these guys are going to play for us this year. And then last year, three of those guys made the Pro Bowl. So I was like, what the hell do I know? But, uh, you know, Eddie Jackson was like, yeah, great. We got a safety. I wanted Jamal Adams at number three. I didn't want to get this guy 109 picks later. Turns out we got a player that's even better than Jamal Adams, and Jamal Adams has been pretty damn good for the Jets.
2: Yeah, don't let Jets fans hear you say that. i <laughs> fighting words over there. They, they love Jamal Adams like I love oxygen over there in New York, I'll tell you that much. Right. Uh. But, but you know, you're right. There was win today versus win tomorrow, right. and – Guess what? It's tomorrow. Right. And <laughs> you guys are winning. So overall, I think I think uh you know, they the, that front office over there do what they were doing. Oh, I for, I for I, sure. I I heavily commend them for sitting through all the criticism and now kind of reaping what they sowed.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's been uh I mean, I I'm, I'm eating more words on that draft class than than virtually any other that we've had in in, in some time. I mean, it's like, you know, Pace has had his misses. Uh, in the draft, but he's had a, a way more hits uh, in the draft. I mean, for every Kevin White, you have you have a Cody Whitehair, Tariq Cohen, and Eddie Jackson. And even though we got rid of him, Jordan Howard was a late round guy, and and things like that. He's hit on way more guys than he's missed on so far in his in the draft class.
2: And you could argue that Kevin White wasn't really his fault true uh that dude just never ate his Wheaties and couldn't get healthy um <laughs> w- we'll see if he does stay healthy in Arizona this year I considering the fact that he's in a very familiar system he's in the same system now uh that he put up all that production in college with in Arizona so you know if he goes out and he has a really productive year that kind of m- maybe could vindicate that pick a little bit, but you know, as long as he just kept getting hurt, not to mention there's a whole bunch of other receivers that are better than him in Chicago now. There there was just kind of no hope for that to fit, but I I see where he was coming from with that pick. It was just very unfortunate.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we took him because we needed to replace Brandon Marshall, Amari Cooper was already off the board, and he was the next best best receiver uh, available uh, in that draft, and The the one thing that was frustrating for me about Kevin White was that everyone kept declaring him he's a bust, he's a bust, he's a bust. When we're going into the 2018 season last year, he's played six games. We don't know what we have. We don't know if he's a lousy football player. We just know he can't stay healthy. If he manages to stay healthy, I'd love to see what this guy can do. But unfortunately, even when he was healthy for all 16 games last year, he couldn't crack the lineup. So I think then you could finally say, okay, he was a draft bust. He's not the number 7 overall player in that in that draft and everything. But going into 2018, he's been healthy for 6 games out of 48. So we don't know what we have in this guy. So we don't know if he's worthy of, you know, anything like that. We don't know. And I didn't I couldn't declare him a bust until after last year as far as him, you know, not being a top 7 guy.
2: You know, anytime somebody starts prematurely declaring somebody a bust, I just always remember that for the first four or five years of Michael Strahan's career, he never had more than five and a half sacks in a season. Right. You know, some dudes are just late bloomers. So we'll see with Kevin White. But if he does bloom late, it's, it's probably not going to be in Chicago.
1: Right, yeah. Now, I mean, I'm rooting for him. He had a rough go of it in Chicago. He had his troubles amongst one of the more passionate fan bases that football has to offer. So it couldn't have been easy. Uh, for him I don't think it's quite as rabid in Arizona as it is in Chicago and then he's got Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk to take the uh, shine off of him a little bit he can just sit back and be himself and play football and let it come to him
2: yeah not to mention I mean in Arizona they're so desperate for a win at this point that even making just one long catch would be enough for them to love him over there (laughs) so a little bit different standards Little bit, and yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Thankfully, we flipped that because a few years ago it was just the opposite. We were the ones that were desperate for any kind of win to come along, and Arizona was coming off an NFC Championship appearance. So uh, the things have certainly changed in the last uh, few years. So, uh, but then the uh, the video that I brought you here for, or at least the video that made me want to talk to you again, the Trubisky uh, video that you did a few weeks ago, um. You know, I thought it was a great video, and I thought that it basically was as accurate an assessment of Trubisky uh, as you could possibly do. Which is to say, I still don't know what I think about this guy. It's like we as Bear fans, we love him because we're whores for anyone who can play the quarterback position well, because that has not happened a lot in anyone's lifetime in Chicago, <laughs> uh, and as a Chicago Bears fan. But he, like you kept talking about how frustrating it was because he's Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Uh, you know, on film, he can be great one second, and then what the hell are you doing the second, the, the next second? And that's what it was like watching him last year. For him to be laser focused and you know hit things on a dime one second, and then throw something uh, a, an obvious touchdown, just sail it right over the head of uh, of Anthony Miller or Taylor Gabriel or something like that. It was kind of maddening uh, to watch last year.
2: Yeah, and. It- I I kind of said in the video, but it really just came down to high pressure versus low pressure situations In low pressure situations. He tended to think a lot more.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: I think just with a new offense uh, with new receivers that, you know, he was still getting used to, especially Anthony Miller. He's a rookie. Right. The timing wasn't there. The processing, it was a much different system than he was used to. Um, so that was kind of, I just hadn't really slowed down for him yet. And you could just see him thinking, you you could see him overthinking everything. And it wasn't really until you got to either, either you were in like the first 15 to 20 plays of the script for Nagy, where he had all that down and he was great. Or, once you got into a high pressure situation late in the fourth quarter, when it was really more just kind of him playing on pure instinct
1: mm-hmm.
2: um that that was where the good mitch came out. It was the right. second and third quarter where there was the overthinking bad mitch. And so what you hope for for at least the twenty nineteen season is you know with another year in the offense, you know maybe he's not thinking as much because it's kind of coming to him a little bit easier now. He's got better timing with his receivers, um, better relationship, or at least a more established relationship with his coaching staff. You know, you kind of hope that he doesn't think so much because he's a little bit more used to it. Um, Whether that will actually happen, I don't know yet. But that was just kind of my overall theory of as soon as he stops thinking, he'll be great.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that was the, I think that was one of my favorite lines in, in the video was that if uh, when, when, you know, if, when he shuts his brain off and just plays the game, he's outstanding. But if he's standing there thinking about it, that, I mean, as a football player, you just it's, it's all about read and react. You see it, you do it. You see it, you do it. You see it, you do it. If you sit there and you think about it, it's already too late, and you're going to make a mistake. And that's, that's how the game is played for every position, not just quarterback, but especially at quarterback. It's read and react because if you start thinking about it, you're in trouble.
2: Yeah, that's that's the worst thing you can do as a quarterback is is try to make the perfect throw. Just make the one that's open. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And it's been for for a long time. He was trying to find the perfect read and the perfect throw, and it's just if your guy's open, just throw it to him. You know, that was that was the main thing. And um, he he definitely learned. He got better as the season went on. At right. That you could see him getting more comfortable. Uh, I I just kind of want to see him take the next step and get all the way there in 2019 but luckily with all the continuity with his coaches and his weapons I think he'll I think he'll be just fine doing that
1: well I mean that's what I've been saying since before the 2018 season started was the reason that I was most looking forward to 2019 was because of all the things you just said it would be a second year in the system second year with all of these guys that were brand new to the team last year Trey Burton uh you know, Alan Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, Anthony Miller, you know, across the board year two with all of those guys, all the OTAs and the practices and everything together, the familiarity and, and all that stuff on the offensive side of the ball. It's going to be second nature to you in year two, as opposed to what it was in year one. That's why I've been looking forward to 2019. Cause I think this team would be, would definitely be ready to roll if all goes well. So 2018 went great. And that's why there are such high hopes for 20, 2019. Yeah. As
2: long as everybody stays healthy, that's the big thing. Yeah, but,
1: absolutely. Yeah.
2: uh, you know, e- even all the other quarterbacks in Mitch's class, Mahomes, you know, Watson. Um, obviously, Mahomes had the best probably second year ever, like mm-hmm. in, in league history. Right. Um, but Trubisky took big steps uh, as the season went on. And Deshaun Watson, um, even if the numbers maybe weren't as crazy, uh, he was a better quarterback in his second year. Again, because of that continuity. So, Really, it's it's incremental progress every single week. It's exponential progress every single season. And I think, you know, in 2019, we're going to continue to see these 2017 first-round quarterbacks completely take over the league. I think eventually we might look at them as the new 2004 class so had Eli and Ben and Rivers. I, I think those three kids are going to be kind of the next generation.
1: Oh, from your lips to God's ears on that, wouldn't that be something? Because the the quarterback position in the NFL could definitely use the new blood. Uh, that's for sure. With the the Bradys and the Rodgers and the Roethlisberger still being the, quote-unquote, top tier uh, of the league, it is time for somebody else to come up. And it's like these these last two quarterback classes with, uh, you know, Trubisky, Mahomes, and Watson, and then last year with with Mayfield and, and Rosen and uh, – uh, Darnold and and those guys coming up as well. We're finally getting that new blood of these guys that are coming in and kind of having an immediate impact with their teams.
2: It's about damn time. I can tell that much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean, especially on the AFC side. I mean, this is the this is the me beating the dead horse thing. I say it all the time. Is that you know it's it's time for someone else to emerge uh, in the AFC. I mean, I heard someone tell me, and it's like there's no way that it's true, but I know that it absolutely is that. In the last 15 years, the Patriots have not won the AFC one time uh, or something insane like that. They have not won the division one time since like 2005 or something. Uh, just bananas, like to think that that's even possible. Somebody can win 15 straight divisions or, or, or something like that. It's definitely time for somebody else to take over uh, uh, that division, and, and I'm uh, waiting for someone else to come in the AFC instead of it always coming down to New England or Pittsburgh.
2: Or, I mean, for a time, if you go back to, see, what was the first year the Patriots won it, 2001. So yeah. we're looking at 18 seasons. Right. The only quarterback, the only one, and this only happened one time, to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl that was not Tom Brady, uh, Peyton Manning, or Ben Roethlisberger. It
1: was Joe Flacco. It was Joe Flacco. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. 2012, <laughs> yeah, for the Ravens. And I, I've even broken that down. Too, where it's it's either been the Patriots, the Broncos, or the Colts, and then you know the Steelers as well. Like those are the four teams since two thousand that have gone to the Super Bowl, and the outliers there were the Raiders in two thousand and two and the Ravens in two thousand twelve. And then yeah, since then, so, it's basically been the same four teams in and out of the Super Bowl every single year on the AFC side.
2: Growing up a Texans fan uh, with Peyton Manning, your vision was not fun at all. <laughs>
1: yeah no I, I bet that wasn't that's for sure i mean that's like two guaranteed l's right there on the schedule you got to worry about beating the titans and the and the jaguars it's a much easier task in those days so but um you know what what do you what do you give what what's your 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 assessment your outlook for what the uh the bears could be up to in 2019
2: well you know uh, i would say a lot of it does depend on two people Mitch mm-hmm. trubisky obviously and and chuck pagano right. chuck because I think the Bears, their identity so relies on that defense continuing to be dominant to kind of help out their young quarterback, um, keep games close so that the run game can still be a factor because I I really like the design of Matt Nagy's run game, even if Jordan Howard maybe wasn't the best back to run it and kind of get as much as they need to out of it. But the design of the run game I still really like. So I think that team needs to have a good defense in order to function. So I, I think it's going to be up to Chuck Pagano to kind of, carry on the work that Vic was doing hopefully not tinker too much because it is mostly the same personnel. Right. Um, I think Callahan might be the only one. Oh, and, and Amos, I think the only ones that aren't there anymore. Um, but you know, it, it, those are not irreplaceable pieces. So I think if, if he kind of continues the same system and maybe just adds his own flavor to it with extra pressure but doesn't change too much, right. that's what I'm hoping for them because I think the, the defense can still be dominant if he does that. And then obviously Mitch, you know, he, he's got to fix his mechanics uh, with his hips. Uh, he's got to learn to drive the hip all the way through the throw before he releases, not after, so that he can stop kind of putting all of the the strain on his arm for velocity. He can use more of his lower body for velocity and reserve his arm for control. That's where a lot of his accuracy problems come from. So he's got to fix his hips. He's got to fix his mechanics and then just kind of let the game come to him a little bit uh, more naturally and turn his brain off. Like we talked about before, if those two men can, can do those things, Mm -hmm. this team is very easily a Super Bowl contender, health permitting,
1: Um, health permitting. That's the big caveat. Health permitting.
2: If Pagano somehow screws this defense up, I don't think he will, but let's pretend there's an alternate universe where he does. And if Mitch doesn't improve, it's going to be a rough year. Uh, Because I think their schedule is absolutely brutal. they Mm got to play in arguably the hardest division in football. And the NFC is only getting more difficult this year. So those two guys are really the key to everything.
1: Yeah, not only is the NFC getting more difficult, the Bears are playing the best of the NFC as a first-place team uh, last year. Every we single have, week. Yeah, we have to play the Rams again. We have to play uh, the Saints uh, this year. Uh, we, we're we playing the NFC East, so we get the Cowboys and the Eagles uh, again as well. We got the AFC West with the, the, the Chiefs and the Broncos and the uh, uh, Chargers uh, and everything. And then, you know, we're talking about the schedule – uh, the last couple of weeks, is that after the Bears come off the bye uh, week six, another early bye, you have the Chargers, the Saints, and the Eagles coming off the bye. I mean, talk about a gauntlet you have to run after you're coming off of the uh, the break. There's no easing into that second half of the schedule. you got to come out guns blazing against three of the best playoff teams uh, from last year.
2: And they're not going to sneak up on anybody this year. No, Everybody <laughs> knows they're good they're yeah. going to get their best shot from everybody.
1: Yeah. So I mean that's 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 the 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 other thing as well, but uh you know the, the thing that that was so so great about last year was that there was just such a different feel to that team as opposed to the ones that we've seen for several years before, like even under under Lovey and obviously under Tresman uh and Fox, they just didn't have the same fight in them in those years that the Bears had last year i mean it went down even in the games that we lost it always came right down to the very end the bears were not handled by anyone uh last year they were in it they fought back like that giants game that they lost they had to come back and and pull off a miracle just to send it to overtime The, the 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 akeem hicks fumble at the goal line in the miami overtime like he should have just walked right into the end zone instead akeem with the very little strength that he had left on that super hot day uh, in Miami, used the, the the last bit of effort he had to pull in the, the football out of Kenyon Drake's hands to force a, a fumble and send the ball back the other way to give the Bears uh, a chance in that game. It was just they went down fighting every single time, and they're hungrier now than they were during that season when they were out to prove themselves. So it's just a matter of can their hunger match the expectations that they're under this year.
2: I'll tell you what the uh the only bigger motivator than trying to prove that you're not a joke is proving that you're for real. Right. Uh and, and I think they know that they should have won that game against the Eagles. I think yeah. they know that arguably they should have won the Super Bowl last year <laughs> and they're on a mission to prove it. So yeah. uh I I'm really excited to see what they do this year because that that is a a room full of very motivated men.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I'm excited that they play for my team because that that room full of very motivated men hadn't been in Chicago for a long, long time. So I'm glad to know That's that right. that those guys are in A getting ready for the season uh, right now, as opposed to being in at and Lambo or you know in uh, in New England or something like that. Those motivated guys play for my team for a change, which is which is helping me sleep a lot better this time of year, Brett. I'll tell you that. <laughs>
2: first time in a long
1: time <laughs> amen amen to that so brett uh before i let you go give us the breakdown on your channel and and um you know i, I was a broadcasting student uh, myself did you go to school for broadcasting
2: yeah yeah i went to, uh i went to school for radio tv and film at right. uh, cal state fullerton down here in california
1: oh nice um so i know how difficult it is to edit something um i know because i when when i was uh, in school one of the things that I did was I was a football announcer because we did student-run productions for the football games to air them on TV on campus and everything. I was the play-by-play and color announcer. And during the week, one of my duties was to make the, the hit film, a.k.a. highlight film, to play for the players before they played the game and everything. And you would think, like, oh, it's a four-and-a-half-minute tape. You just play the, the hits to uh, uh, you know a song that's four-and-a-half minutes long or something like that. But you and I both know... Making a four-and-a-half-minute tape does not take four-and-a-half minutes. It can take anywhere up to four to eight hours, depending on how you're cutting up your highlights and everything. It's a very tedious process that a special breed of human being enjoys doing.
2: Yeah, usually, you know, back when I was working in TV, when I was at the NFL Network, if I was given a four-and-a-half-minute music video assignment, that was a full eight-hour shift right yes, there. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's a lot yeah. of work.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I and at the end of the year, I made the – the year in review video that ended up being about 23 24 minutes long it took me 66 hours to make that video to be able to sum that up sounds in, about right. yeah it took it took me about 66 hours to make that video so it took me all week long to put that video together to pump out a 22 minute video can you imagine well you probably can what imagine what it'd be like to put america's game together where you got like a 48 minute video uh that you need to put together and 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 things like that, how long that would actually take.
2: I mean, shoot, I, I made a video for, uh, the 2017 season. It was like a 2017, uh, recap video. And I, I cut it to uh, a chopped up orchestral orchestral score, um, that I got from, you ever seen the movie Mad Max Fury Road? I love that. And I, I chopped up about probably, God, what was it 15, 16 minutes of music and kind of blended it together and, and, I put a whole bunch of NFL films to it and radio calls. And um, if you go on YouTube, you type in A Furious Road. It's, that, that was a major project that I worked on for two weeks, and it was only maybe like a 15-minute video. But yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's the thing that I'm most proud of that I've ever done on the channel, and it was also the hardest thing I've ever done.
1: Yeah, because you have to go out and, and get all of that stuff, even if you have it on your hard drive or whatever, you have to go out and get that one radio call and then line it up with the play so that it's matching uh, the footage or maybe even you cut out a piece of the audio so that it matches better uh, and things like that. There are a lot of little tiny things that go into putting those uh, videos together that I have a special appreciation for because, like I said, I'm one of those people that when I was doing that, I loved doing that stuff. But I knew that if I had to put a video together, Might have put a pot of coffee on because you're going to be at it for a while.
2: Yeah, during the season, my blood is pretty much 40% espresso. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: So, I mean, how long did it take you to put together like the Trubisky video, for instance?
2: Oh, I would say my average episode takes anywhere between 60 to 80 hours. Okay. Um, Obviously quarterback videos take longer. So the Trubisky one pushed closer to 80, but uh, at least during the season when I, when I have to release one a week before Mm -hmm. they become outdated, I would say all of them take somewhere in the ballpark of about 60.
1: So are you working on more than one at a time because of that?
2: Uh, Most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of doing preliminary work for one while I work on another, like maybe I'll watch tape and I'll see something on tape. that's not related to the subject that I'm doing, but I still mark it down anyway in case I want to use it later in the season. Um, the episode that I'm working on right now, which is going to come out this coming week, uh, it's on Kirk cousins and why he seems incapable of winning big games. And I was kind of inspired to do that video while watching Trubisky in week 17 against the bears, uh, last year when the Vikings could not get out of their own way. And so, uh, you know, a lot of the time when I'm watching film for one video, I'll kind of get inspired to do the next one. And that's what happened there.
1: Yeah, I mean, that wasn't, for me, that was, even as a guy that came out on the right side uh, of that game, I could not figure that game out for the life of me either. Like, the Vikings just did not show up for that game. It's the home game against a team that, historically, they beat the Bears in Minnesota almost every time. And the season is on the line. The Bears had very little to play for other than bragging rights at that point and it was the Bears that showed up and hit the Vikings in the mouth early on. And the Vikings, they had their little run in the third quarter where they made it interesting. But aside from once that little run was over, the game was over, and the Bears just dominated that game. I could not figure out where the Vikings went on that one.
2: That, that was a team that had completely lost its will to fight.
1: Yeah. Completely. Completely.
2: Yeah. You know, yeah. And and they went up against Bears backups that were still ready for round four. <laughs> that,
1: was, that was the other thing. Like the last six minutes of the game, watching guys like Isaiah Irving and Kylie Fitz just tee off on their starting offensive line and, and give Kirk Cousins all kind of hell uh, back there. It's like, Jesus, man, this is how they're going to close it out. I mean, the game is over. It's 24 to 10. We're clearing our benches, and, and they still have nothing for us.
2: Yeah, Cousins was taking hit after hit yeah. against second stringers, and you could see it on his face, you know, halfway through the fourth quarter. He's like, what the hell can I do here? I mean, yeah. there's, there's, he had no answer. There's nothing yeah. he could do. It wasn't his fault. No. The, the whole no. season wasn't his fault. It's right. just, There's nothing he could do.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, it is a stigma that kind of followed him from Washington, but I don't think anybody really made a big deal of it coming out of Washington because he was in Washington and the Redskins were lousy anyway but him coming to Minnesota was supposed to be the upgrade that he needed to be able to get over the hump with those things and it was the same result as before so it must be him right
2: you know that's that's kind of the funny thing is this episode is is all about how it's not him right and it's kind of going through all the losses one by one and kind of explaining how it's kind of a miracle that they were even in the season to begin with (laughs) because it was largely because of him and the team just uh, the only loss that was really his fault, the only one out of all six losses against above 500 teams last year was the first Bears game. That was the one that, that Eddie got the pick six. And right. uh, I think Amos got another one. And you know, that was the one where it's like, okay, yeah, that's, that's Kirk's that's Kirk's bad, but all five of the other ones, uh, that was just a complete team collapse that you could put Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady on that team. And the result would have been the same.
1: Wow. Wow. Well, I look forward to that. I, I really do. So, uh, um, what's the the name is the Film Room? That's the name of the channel.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's called the Film Room. Uh, I, I release a video every single week, at least one every single week, uh, all about different topics around the league, different players, different coaches, different schemes and teams, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. Luckily, people have really enjoyed it over
1: the years. And you, I hear you mention like when you're talking before the videos begin and towards the end about a a Patreon uh account what's uh what all do you get if if you uh if you add to the patreon or subscribe to the patreon account
2: well now that the fantasy season is upon us uh you, you'll get updated fantasy rankings uh every single week of the preseason leading up to obviously week one of the regular season uh, i put game picks on there every single week
1: mm-hmm. i'm hoping to
2: do power rankings on there every single week just for patrons this season you know just kind of little things that they can read and enjoy and kind of a, a thank you for supporting the channel because that's a pretty much the main income stream for me. So, uh, I like to do that just for people that are willing to support the channel.
1: Nice. Nice. Well, Brett, this has been fun, man. Thanks so much, uh, for coming back on. And, uh, here's uh, fingers crossed that you and I talk, uh, sometime before the first weekend in February, because our boys are going to be banging heads in the Super Bowl.
2: Oh God. Will I, I hope not because that's probably the worst possible matchup for
1: the Texans. <laughs> I mean, what do you? What, what? I mean, before I let you go, what what do you think the chances are for the Texans? We talked briefly before we got started, and you were like, "Yeah, our offensive line is 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 effed right now." So chances are we're going to struggle. But you know, how do you think the Texans will do this year?
2: Realistically, yeah, nine and seven and missed a wild card.
1: Mm. Okay, which
2: mm-hmm. I know sucks to say as a as a fan of the team, but sure. that's. Being objective and realistic, I mean, my job is to analyze the whole league and just kind of looking at other rosters around the AFC and looking at Houston's roster right now, it's looking a little rough.
1: And it's the offensive line that you're mainly concerned about?
2: That's that's the biggie right there is the offensive line. I mean, they could prove me wrong and somehow play better than some of their parts, but uh, just judging off last year, oof, it's, it's it's not looking great.
1: Yeah, when I had my draft guy on and I asked him, "Is like, whose draft did you like, who does just... – who you know who didn't do well, and the, the first team that came up was the Texans because they let the Eagles leapfrog them to to steal that tackle uh, away, and then they, uh, like their oh, first two me. picks, the first two picks where it's like, okay, we drafted this project in the first round, and then we drafted our safety valve in the second round, kind of thing.
2: Yeah, you may be mad at the Eagles because they ruined your season, but I'm mad at the Eagles because they ruined my decade. So <laughs> uh, who really has? qualm
1: here yeah I don't blame the Eagles for what happened I mean it's you know like you said realistically uh, and objectively it's not Parkey's fault that we lost the game the Bears had plenty of opportunities to prevent that from happening I mean hell one thing that that made me almost sick to my stomach when I when I saw it was that the Bears only had three penalties the entire football game those three penalties all happened on the scoring drive in the third quarter for the eagles so virtually if those penalties don't happen we win the game because the eagles are out are three and out on that drive and there's the there's the difference in the football game uh right there we missed the two-point play where you know the eagles probably try to tie instead of go for two at the end all kinds of stuff there parkey just missed just failed to live up to the moment that we signed him for so it wasn't his fault that we lost the game there were so many other you know reasons that the bears didn't come out on top there but what are you gonna do? It's 2019. What can you do? What can you do? <laughs> can you do? <laughs> yeah. Well, Brett, I'll stop uh, telling you one more thing, one more thing, one more thing, and I'll let you go uh, and enjoy your evening. Thanks so much uh, for coming on. And where can we uh, just one more time? Where can we keep up with you uh, during the season and, and on the channel?
2: Sure, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brett Coleman. That's B R E T T B R E T T. Wow, I should probably spell my own name correctly. Uh, help, yeah. Last name K O L L M A N N. Uh, And you can find me on YouTube, uh, just type in The Film Room or type in Eddie Jackson or Mitch Trubisky and my video will probably be somewhere near the top.
1: All right, Brett, thanks so much uh, for coming on again, man. We'll look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you. Remember guys, ACAA for $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek Geek and promo code bears100 at MyBookie for your 10% deposit bonus to get in on that super contest. You'll it says you'll make at least 100 grand if you if you climb the leaderboard. I mean, who knows, the prize could grow bigger uh, than that. And uh want to thank Brett for coming on. a uh, lot of fun talking about those videos. I I I really enjoyed watching Uh, Those videos, the breakdown uh, that he was, you know, and and the education that he was giving uh, those that were, uh, you know, that have uh, stumbled upon uh, those videos. I'm subscribed to the channel. Be sure that you get subscribed to it, too. I'm I'm certain this will not be the last time we hear about uh, a Bears video of of, uh, some kind. The Kirk Cousins video that he was talking about features the Bears, quite frankly, because he he mainly focused on. The six or seven games where where uh, cousins were basically lost to winning teams, and the Bears were two of those games, and um, basically breaks down how cousins, it's not really Kirk Cousins' fault that the Vikings didn't succeed in those games, but because he's the quarterback, because he's making twenty eight million guaranteed uh, every year in in Minnesota, he's going to take the heat for it. But uh, he made pretty pretty convincing argument that it's not all Kirk Cousins'. Uh, fault and uh that it probably wouldn't take much to write the ship in minnesota if they just did some things or if his team didn't let him down so on and so forth it was a really really good uh episode so the one that he was talking about has dropped and that's out now and uh i recommend that you uh check it out if for no other reason than to watch the bears (laughs) beat the crap out of kirk cousins uh in in a couple of segments uh, of the video so um but it was fun watching the bears do that and and uh yeah especially that week 17 win like we just can't figure out what happened here and it was more of a failure of the team like the the Sunday night game that one he put on Kirk Cousins he was pressing. he was uh, trying to do too much but that final week 17 was a failure of the team as a whole not just Kirk Cousins so uh it's a good video go check that out really really great stuff that he puts together uh on that channel and uh like I said before at the top of the interview hope to have him back on next year when we play the AFC South again and for him to come to talk to us about the uh the Texans so there it is guys 27 up 27 down going forward from here it's uh like I said before it's it's not about what we want to have happen what could happen what should happen it's about what did happen as our beloved take the field Thursday night against the Carolina Panthers to kick off the preseason And it's all about the actual games going forward from here. I could not be more excited, as I've said, over and over for the last six months of this offseason. And hell, I even said it several times during the 2018 season. 2019 is the year that I've been looking forward to because I knew that this was going to be how it all came together with all the reasons that I've said over and over ad nauseum as to why I was excited about this season before it even got here. It's here now. It is here here now as i'm recording this on monday night we are less than 72 hours away from kickoff against the panthers on thursday <sighs> and before we know it it'll be week four against the titans and our good friend kyle Brandt is calling the game again so we'll see how that goes and from there it's 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 you know another week after that we got bears packers kicking off the year 100 years of bears football 100 years of the nfl and it's there speaking of which we're going to do something different for week one this year because we're playing the Packers and uh, because we basically just talked to Evan Western. I'm going to do the preview episode by myself. I'm going to do the preview and, and actually I might bring somebody in on that. I've got some ideas about who I want to talk to. But um, as far as having our guest preview it. With, with basically nothing has changed, very little has changed from what we talked to Evan about and and and, and the, the prospects of 2019 and the draft choices and all that kind of stuff, there would be very little for us to talk about as far as previewing the game itself. So what we're going to do instead is that Evan's going to come on for the review episode this year. And I'm pretty sure that's the only time I'm going to do it that way. Because even going into week two, we've got a, a game in the season to talk about and uh, and all the rest of that. So I think, but this is going to be special. Number one, because of the weight of the game itself, because it's week one, it's national TV, it's Thursday night football, it's the kickoff game and, and everything. Evan's going to come on and we're going to review the game together as opposed to previewing the game. Because I just don't think there would be much to preview. We're not going to learn anything about our teams in the preseason because I think Lafleur coming from the Rams... Uh, Sean McVay doesn't play his starters in the preseason. Matt Nagy doesn't play his starters in the preseason. I can't imagine we'll see much of the Packers starters uh, in the preseason, so we just won't know. So instead of sitting there trying to throw darts blindly at the dartboard, we're going to wait, and we're going to talk about what did happen instead of what we think could happen. So Evan Western is going to come back for the review episode, and uh, that should be interesting, especially if (laughs) – god forbid we lose that game i i don't know what kind of packer fan evan is as far as that goes i don't know i know what kind of bear fan i am if the bears win we'll see what kind of packer fan evan is we have him back on the show if he's uh if he's going to take shots or rub it in our face or or if he's just going to be cool like he has been which is why i like him uh and uh, i don't like most packer fans but we'll see We'll see. So I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be somewhat of a little bit experiment. But I think for week one, it's necessary. We'll, we'll, we'll have him on to review the game as opposed to previewing it because there's really not going to be much for us to talk about that we didn't talk about when we had him on at the end of uh, June, beginning of July in the opponent previews. Like, yeah, we can, talk about, uh, we can talk about the preseason, but there's not going to be much to talk about there, I doubt very much. Uh, we talk about training camp, but neither one of us I think has gone to camp uh this year so aside from what i've read on youtube or excuse me um twitter and blogs and things like that i can't really speak to what's going on uh in training camp for the most part so there won't be much for us to talk about so i think this would be a better way to go we'll have them on we'll talk about the game we'll review it uh i'm wondering how i'm going to do knee-jerk reactions that'll be interesting too maybe i'll make them listen to them who knows but uh it's going to be fun we'll uh we'll that's how we're going to do week one uh this year Uh, Evan's going to come on after the game and review it with us instead of previewing a a week one game where we don't really have much talk about that we didn't talk about previously. So we have that to look forward to and hopefully it is a victorious (laughs) week one (laughs) with the Packers. You never can tell man, but uh, we'll see. I'm i I'm hugely optimistic. That's going to be a victory uh, for us. For me, the question is how much do we win by is it another nail-biter like it was last year, or do we crush them like we did week 15? Is it, even though the Bears only won by seven, we beat the crap out of Green Bay in that game, no doubt. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. But uh, can't wait. Can't wait to find out. But until, uh, until that day, we'll, uh, we'll just sit back and, and look forward to it, just like we're looking forward to Thursday night with the Carolina Panthers, week one of the preseason. Like I said, from here on out, It's it's about what did happen. It's all about what's happening on the field and not about our hopes and dreams and thoughts and everything we actually will have data to look at and the Bears are gonna take the field, even though it's not gonna be everybody we wanna see. The Bears are taking the field on Thursday, and I am just jacked about it. So anyway, that is going to do it for our final offseason episode of 2019. From now on, it's all about the games and preseason and then getting to the regular season and getting it all kicked off, seeing if this is the dream season we've all been waiting so long uh, to see. So come on back uh, Saturday. Let's say Saturday for the review of the Week 1 preseason matchup between the Bears and the Panthers. And until then, my name is Larry D., and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.